Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Sports tonight. It's December 12th. Your uh, BSL college football analyst, Mike Lowe. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, nice to have a week off. So we got lots to talk about tonight. Lots of ground to cover. There is plenty to talk about. Let's talk about the CFP being set. Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama. Your thoughts on the Alabama selection and um, uh, as a secondary point, FSU's exclusion. Yeah, you know, I I, I kind of see both sides on this one, and um, I'm glad I wasn't one of those committee members that had to make that decision. Um, I think if you ask anybody who is mostly impartial and maybe even some partial observers um, who they would favor on a neutral field between Alabama and Florida State, um, I think you would get near unanimous Alabama. Um, so, you know, sort of by the committee's rules, that means Alabama should win out uh, because they say they take the four best rather than the four most deserving. If it's the four most deserving, it clearly should have been Florida State. Um, and, you know, from what we hear, it sounds like the only reason it's not Florida State is because they lost their starting quarterback. And in the most recent game, their offense looked pretty bad. Um, you know, I don't know how much they accounted for this, but they were actually down to their third quarterback in that game. And looking forward, the backup should have been able to return um, for a playoff game. Um so they would have at least had their backup quarterback back going forward. But, um, you know, maybe they still weren't that confident in him. You know, it's um, – and I know we're going to get into this on, you know, our, our next topic. Um, it's just part of the uniqueness of college football. And, um, you know, you know, I – if only we had the 12-team playoff this year, it, it came a year too late. Um, you know, we had 10 years of the 14 playoff and um, for all but maybe the very first year, it worked out fine. If anything, you had maybe some teams in there that proved they weren't really worthy of playing for the title. Um, so you could say you had too few teams instead of too many worthy teams. Um, you know, the frustrating thing for me is I still don't feel like we really got clear answers from the committee, the selection committee, and on, you know, what their criteria is. I don't feel like there was ever very much transparency there and how they did this. And you would just like a little bit more of that, um, you know, just, just to really know. And, you know, yeah, I know they I, make I, themselves I available fair. to the media, but I don't feel like they're really honest and open in answering some of the questions. I guess that's fair. I, I mean, I think you really kind of nailed it at the at the beginning. I think it's just if they you ask most people on a neutral field who's going to win Alabama, Florida State, Alabama's going to be the favorite. Uh, and you know, once Alabama on a neutral field beats the overall number one and two time defending champ, uh, not that that should have been the Defending champ part should have been included in the anything, but still mentally. Uh, well, they were the number one team. Had, 
you know, the committee yeah, said they were, they were the number team. one team going into that game. So, you know, and, you get that, and, and, you get that you know, win. You can, and once you're going to take them, once you're going to take Alabama, you are going to definitely take Texas. You had the, had the win or you kind of, you kind of had to, otherwise you say that <laughs> that game didn't matter. Right. But then of course you're telling Florida state, well, all 13 of your games didn't matter. Um, you know, it, it's and Florida State had a, a slightly better out of conference uh, uh, strength of schedule record than Alabama, but their in conference and overall strength of schedule was like fifty five, and Alabama's was fifth. So I don't buy the argument that Florida State had a a was jobbed. I mean, they're, they're just overall resume. You're not playing the same schedule. It's it's not the yeah. same. And, and I think part of it too is, you know, I, I I think anybody that watched Alabama can clearly say they improved as the season went on. Whereas, you know, Florida state may have played its very best game in the very first game of the season when they blew out LSU. Um, you know, both teams had some stumbles where they didn't look great. Um, Alabama had that awful game at um, uh, South Florida. It was tied three yeah. to three at half game. And everybody at Alabama says, well, we had our backup quarterback. And it's like, well, you know, Florida State's being penalized for having their backup quarterback. But you're also not, had the, you know. <laughs> also the Auburn game, obviously a rivalry game, but that was yeah. a game they could have uh, could have lost. Sure. And Florida State won all the games on their schedule, including at Clemson, they beat, uh, they had the, the win versus Florida. Florida's down. It's still a rivalry game, still another SEC team. So, I mean, I liked Florida State all year. Again, I agree. I wish, you know, we'll get to it. I wish there was the expanded field. And I think Florida State, with time to prepare, I think they have a, a chance uh, versus beating Georgia. I mean, clearly uh, their defense is – Really you know, good, very and, good, very and, good, and and their wide receivers they've got, uh, particularly Coleman. I mean, they got real threats. So, you know, I wonder what I mean, it would have been like if me. maybe Rodemaker had been able to play in that Louisville game, and you know, maybe they had a little bit better offensive showing. Um, you know, if they weren't down to their third string quarterback, who was a true freshman, you know, starting his very first game. I don't know. Yeah, true freshman in, 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 the, in, the, in that, in that a lot of practice know, time. And it wasn't like in he that had situation. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind of a tough uh, situation to, you know, throw a kid into. And, and they weren't going to they weren't going to push it that game either. They were going to be conservative and ride their defense. Yeah, but I think we had nailed it in the prior to that show talking about they didn't get any help from Louisville. Louisville losing to Kentucky, uh, right. you know, prior. So like it was, I thought by the time that game played, I was thinking you're going to have to put up some points here for the yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. get it, to get in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's um, I mean, I guess it's <laughs> it just, you know, kind of puts the cherry on top of, you know, the, the four team era that, you know, you finally uh, get down to the very last one and um, four just wasn't enough this year. Yeah. And every year is different. You know, every year is kind of its own little, um, you know, own little novel and um, there no two are alike. And, so uh, this one is different. 
So us plenty of cherry on that. You've mentioned a few times on the board and uh, previously on the pod that you'll miss this debate that exists with the 14 process. So maybe expand on those uh, thoughts. It's, uh, what you, um, you know, I, yeah, you know, being of a certain age, I grew up in the area where, or in the era where the college football national champion was uh, selected rather than um, winning it on the field. You had your, you know, your rankings throughout the season by the AP. Back then it was the UPI. Um, you know, they played their seasons. The, you know, everybody would go to random bowl games. They, they usually broke down by conference, but you had no guarantee that the number one and number two teams headed into the postseason would play. You had no conference championships. And, you know, at the end of the season, all the writers got together. It's like, well, this is who we think the best team is. And that was your national champion. Um, and as you would expect, that opened things up for a lot of debate. I think the thing, you know, that, you know, and, and we'll just look at the message board on BSL. Look at the number of people who dropped in to, you know, weigh in with an opinion. People who I had never seen, you know, post a single thing about college football. But all of a sudden, you know, it just seemed to generate a lot of interest in the sport that um, I don't always see. And I'm not saying that college football is a niche sport. It's, it's the second most popular sport in the country to the NFL. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, 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 maybe it doesn't necessarily need this, but um, you know, I, I think you, as a sport, college football has the best regular season of any sport out there, you know, you name it. It has the best regular season, but arguably the most anticlimactic and at times disappointing postseason. Um, it's very unique in that way. And, um, you know, part of that, not having that postseason that always, you know, is guaranteed to leave everybody satisfied, it's just going to open things up for a lot of debate. And I, I just kind of like the engagement that you see oftentimes, again, from people who you would probably think are very casual at most fans of the sport. Um, you know, I, I think in some ways that was just kind of part of the fabric of it. And, uh, you know, I think we'll, I think we'll lose more of that with the 12 team playoff, but I think the 12 team playoff certainly has its benefits. Um, you know, I, we're going to have some debates and I'm actually writing a piece now that'll that'll go up on the BSL site um, here in the next couple of days about that. You know, um, you know, kind of the comparison of this year as we enter into a new era and what things could look like in future years. You know, will there still be debates? The answer is, I think yes. Will they be nearly as consequential as what the debate we've just had? No, not even close. But there will still be debates. Um, so, you know, just kind of, uh, I think that's just part of the fun. Uh, we didn't do a whole lot of uh, Heisman discussion pod this year, but Jaden Daniels, he wins the Heisman. Would he have had your vote? Um, I think I would have leaned in his direction. Um, you know, you hate to say it comes down to one game, but I think Bo Nix lost it when Oregon didn't win the Pac-12 title game against uh, Washington. And that's not because he didn't have a good game. He actually did play a pretty good game, um, but they didn't win. And had they won, I think maybe, uh, you know, he, he might have 
he may he may have peaked or you know come out on top even though he only finished third ultimately in the voting i think the fact that washington won is the reason why michael Penix might have finished second um i think there were just so many people this was a close one um closest one since uh i think it was 20 2018 maybe was when the year kyler murray kyler murray won um closest vote since then and um, I can lean, I can go with Jaden Daniels when you look at the numbers, um, you know, the numbers he put up, um, you know, you look at LSU, I think, um, you know, in terms of their overall record, uh, it was having a bad defense more than anything that hurt them. Uh, their offense was, you know, you go look it up and they're number one or very close to number one in pretty much every statistical category. And it all started with him. There are 43 different bowl games on the docket outside of the uh, CFP and the New Year's Six. Give me two games you are looking forward to. Sure. The uh, the one I, I think I like is uh, the most of, of the non-big ones is uh, the Alamo Bowl. And uh, that one features uh, Arizona against Oklahoma. So you got the teams that finished uh, 14th and 12th in the final CFP rankings. Um I mean, Arizona, I've, I've kind of talked them up, you know, in the latter part of the season because of how well they were playing. They finished on a six-game winning streak, um, and of those uh, six games, four of them came against teams that were ranked at the time. Um, they were really playing lights-out football by the end of the season. Um, they In week five, they had to – essentially, it wasn't by choice. Uh, Noah Fafita – a freshman took over at quarterback and um you know there was just no stopping him from that point uh that they did end up losing his first start by seven points to washington we know where uh they ended up and then they lost that triple overtime game at usc and then they won all the rest of their games um so you know he's just been really terrific so i think they're one of the big uh you know cool surprise stories of the season and then um, you know Oklahoma, uh, they're the they're the only team that beat Texas this season. Um, you know we know they're pretty good. They had a couple of hiccups along the way, but both of them were close losses against Oklahoma State and Kansas. Um, you know by a total of eight points, those two losses. The big thing, um, Arizona is actually a three point favorite, and I think the issue here is um, Oklahoma has lost their quarterback, Dylan Gabriel. He, um, he entered the transfer portal and has actually announced that he's coming out here to Oregon. He's going to be replacing Bo Nix. Um, so for that reason, um, Arizona is the favorite, and I would probably give them a slight edge in this one. Um, as we all know, these bowl games, um, you know, they can produce unexpected results. And now that we're in the transfer portal era, that's even uh, more magnified. and um, you know, the portal is still open. Players are still going in. So even as we sit here right now, we don't necessarily know what teams are going to show up for these games. So, um, you know, we're, we're taking a bit of a shot in the dark here. Uh, all right. Um, and, yeah, and I do have one other game, and this one is just kind of local interest. Um, Oregon State and Notre Dame, um, yeah. the the Fighting Irish finally get their chance at revenge. Um, way back in 2000, they met in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, Oregon State, who was quarterbacked by Jonathan Smith, who was just their coach that ditched them, uh, 
TJ Hushmanzada and Chad Johnson were their wide receivers. Both of them went on to be Pro Bowl players in the NFL. Um, they beat Notre Dame 41 to 9. And the Irish have been waiting a long, long time to get their revenge. And so here's their chance in the Sun Bowl. Uh, they get Oregon State. Um, I'm just kind of curious to see. Here's our know, chance with kid, kid, no, no kids that were born at the time on their <laughs> roster that were precisely yes. <laughs> well, you know, nowadays actually there might have been one or two that were actually alive <laughs> yeah. at the time. Now that you get these seventh-year seniors, um, but anyway, you know, this one, uh, these are two very similar teams. Um, unfortunately, on Oregon State side, they are going to be depleted. Um, you know, they've lost more than half their coaching staff. Uh, they do at least have their new coach uh, because they promoted from within. So I'm kind of curious to see, um, you know, how Trent Bray, who was the defensive coordinator, how hard, you know, the players go out there and play for him, just kind of a peek into their future. Again, it's a very uncertain future, as we discussed in the past. Um, and they've been hit hard by the portal. Uh, so Notre Dame's a six and a half point favorite. Um, you know, I think they might win by even more than that. It doesn't seem like, you know, knock on wood as of yet, Notre Dame has been hit too hard. I think Sam Hartman, uh, the quarterback, intends to play. They did lose their uh, leading wide receiver. Notre Dame did. Uh, um, Chris Tyree, he's he's in the portal. So, um, but, you know, they're a little bit more run game oriented. So I think. I think the Irish are going to win this game. I'm just interested you know, from a local standpoint to see what Oregon State looks like. Well, other games that we're interested in with our fandom, uh, early thoughts on Maryland and Auburn in the Music City Bowl. And, of course, it's going to start with who's available, right? Who's available? That's, uh, you know, and that seems to change day by day. Um, as best I can tell, you know, I've been – in preparation for our podcast, a sign of the times, I've been going on the 24-7 to see who from what team is in the portal. Um, neither team has been hit terribly hard. I think um, Auburn is a, in a little bit better shape that way. These look like two very evenly matched teams to me. Um, Auburn has been uh, kind of weird this season. Um, you know, we talked about that game against Alabama where, you know, Alabama needed a a fourth and 31 goal to go prayer to win that game. Um, but the week before on their home field, Auburn pretty much got stumped by New Mexico State. Um, they did actually play Georgia right down to the wire, only lost by a touchdown to them, played, played Ole Miss down to the wire, only lost to a touchdown by them. Um, so they're capable of playing some pretty good football. Um at times and then at times they don't so i don't know you know what we're going to get out of them um this is the first sec maryland sec team maryland has played since they played tennessee in the peach bowl and that was back early in the Frigian era i think it was after the 2002 season so maryland doesn't get many matchups against sec teams these days um so that's kind of fun to see but they do have talia um he's committed to playing and, um, you know, their offense, other than uh, Corey Deutsch's, their tight end, will so far, knock on wood, mostly be intact. Um, so offensively, you know, I, I think Maryland can put up some points. And it's just, um, you know, Auburn doesn't have a great offense themselves, so their defense might be okay too. I think this will be a close game, though. Um, Auburn's a 
two and a half point favorite. I say flip a coin. I don't know what you think. What do you think, Chris? I say flip a coin, and again, it's who's available. I mean, uh, lose Dijkstra. You lost uh, best defensive player as well. Yeah, Jason Parham. Uh, yeah, uh, it's as far as the departures, and I can be pretty pro player with that in terms of um, you know. Wishing them the freedom, they should be able to go where they want. But I wish you could rip the Band-Aid all at once and it wasn't a daily uh, uh, drop of, <laughs> of or if guys. Gonna, or if you're going to open the transfer portal, do it after the bowl games. After the bowl or something. I mean, it, that is, that's really tough for your uh, – uh, your your previous teammates, I think that's a tough look. I mean, yeah. I get I get the guys that are going on to a, a pro level and they want to get into a camp and they're not sure they sure sure start play. working out and get ready for the combine and all that. You know, it, it, it's almost like we 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 kind of have to adjust our view of bowl games now. They used to be kind of the finale to one season, and I, and I almost think teams, you know, at least the ones that don't make the playoff take the approach of, okay, this isn't the finale of the last season. This is the start of next season. Yeah, it is absolutely true. Uh, yeah, I just, I just be repetitive. I just wish you could rip that Band-Aid and just – everyone's leaving. Let's leave. Let's call it a new day. Yeah. I think it's yeah. got to be really I tough, really tough for, a, tough for a program, like looking around, who's leaving today. That That's – uh. Yeah. That's a tough look. And it's open um, for another month. So, um, you know, so there's, there's brace plenty yourself. upheaval in the game overall. Uh, you had posted on the board the link to NCAA President Charlie Baker, who had called for a new tier of D1. Is that something you would like to see? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's a step in the right direction, and I think it's a step to where we're eventually headed. And, you know, I, I say this over and over, the NCAA does things very slowly and incrementally. So, um, you know, for the for those who aren't familiar, um, you know, the, the newer president of the NCAA has, has finally come out and said, all right, um, we're going to let the schools pay players um, through NIL. Um, so that's the name image likeness that up to now has only been available for, you know, people outside the school to cut deals with players and, and pay them um, to use their name image likeness. And of course, this is, you know, it was inevitable that it would happen, but eventually this has become a tool for boosters of programs to just directly pay players to to you know, play for their team, um, just like the way it used to be. Only they had to you know keep it all hush hush so they didn't get caught. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I want to get to the day where at least with college football, because I think it's so much different than the other sports, where really the players are just employees. They're employees of the school. You know, let's just call it what it is, and. So what you do is you sit down, you know, chances are they, I would think they would form a union. You sit down with them, you negotiate with them, you come to a collective bargaining agreement. You get some things that I think would be good for the sport. For instance, you know, the transfer portal. I think I speak for a lot of people, you know, 
you, I, I think, as well, when I say, you know, this constant state of flux about, you know, who's going where, when are they leaving, who, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, it, I don't think it's great for the sport. And so when you have a chance to sit down and collectively bargain with the players, it's like, okay, you know, it's going to be like the pro leagues do. You guys are guaranteed this percentage of the revenues we generate. We're going to pay that to you. And in exchange, you're going to sign a contract that binds you to the school for X number of years, just like the pros do. And so, you know, you don't need a transfer portal then. Um, when you're doing it with NIL deals, you know, you're still essentially saying, well, these are amateurs, these are students. And, you know, in the Charlie Baker proposal, he says, um, you know, that schools that do this have to do this with at least half their athletes. It's subject to Title IX. Um, so you are also going to have to pay, you know, the number of female athletes based on whatever the ratio of your general student body is. Um, you have to pay a minimum of half of your overall student athletes. And I think there's a minimum amount of $30,000. Um, so clearly this is only going to be something that the very upper echelon of schools in the revenue generating um, realm are going to be able to afford. So I definitely think this, if this were implemented, this is going to be the beginning of the breakaway of the top earning schools from the rest of the sport. And I think essentially what we're probably going to see here is you're gonna have the power conferences, you know, definitely Big 10 and SEC, probably the ACC and the Big 12 for a while will be, stick, be able to stick around. They're gonna have their own subdivision. You're gonna see the G5, they're gonna have their own subdivision. You'll still have the F FCS. So within division one college football, instead of having two subdivisions, you're gonna have a third. Um, that's yeah. what's gonna happen if this proposal comes to be. That seems right to me. Uh, I think it's gonna come sooner than, than we think. You know, just uh, overall, even though the, they've been slow to, to move, or for all, I just think there's just too much uh, well, there's uh, so many, yeah, and, and some of it is, you know, their hand is getting forced to move faster than they usually like to move because of so many court cases that are going on now. Um, you know, you've got court cases. Just last week, somebody filed a case in federal court. Um, so the new transfer rules, as an undergraduate, you can transfer once without having to be penalized and sit out and lose a season of eligibility. And then as a graduate, you can still transfer as often as you want. Somebody filed suit just last week in federal court challenging that, saying you should be able to move around as much as you want, which is why I say it's time to say these are employees of the school. They are you know, the primary workers that are part of a billion dollar enterprise, let's treat them as employees, let's collectively bargain with them and get agreements in place that enables all of us to make lots and lots of money. Good stuff, Mike. Uh, I'm still looking forward to bowl season. We'll come back. We'll discuss the uh, CFP and the uh, group of six games. That'll be uh, fun. Uh We'll talk again next week. Come and join the discussions at the board, BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. As Mike said, there was a lot of uh, people in the college football thread this past week talking uh, 
uh, Florida State and Alabama. Uh, uh, so there's some interest there. And as Mike also mentioned, it's the second biggest sport in the, uh, in America. Uh, th th there is plenty of interest. Come and join the discussions. Love to have you. Back. Take care. Have a good week.